We all have something that we believe. You have something that you believe. Uh, I have something that I believe. And the more you get to know me and the more I get to know you, the more is revealed what that thing is that you believe. And I'm not talking about just general ideas and thoughts. I'm talking about that thing that just comes out of you that you just know and that people around you know. And when you have beliefs and I have beliefs and those beliefs come together and they harmonize with each other, we start to form a community. And in community, we find a lot of beautiful things happen. When we're in community, there seems to be a spirit of celebration when we gather. Uh, and I love it that there's usually food involved when we gather. Uh, in community, we find encouragement and hope. We appreciate each other's diversity. We appreciate the, the uniqueness of the gifts and the different things that each person brings to the community. Um, but other things happen in community when we gather. Other things like uh, we uh, tend to frustrate each other. We tend to see each other's weaknesses and brokenness. We tend to, uh, our, our, our own insecurities and experiences and fears and biases start to inform how we interpret and see and view others' insecurities and fears and brokenness and biases. And conflict can arise and frustration can emerge. And then we have a choice. Do we choose, when that happens, do we choose condemnation or do we choose empathy? This is what happens when any group of people get together for any reason. If you are part, if you sign up for a HIT class and you're going to this high intensity training class, you have a commitment to this class that you're going to go to and you're going to be there and there's going to be someone there whose sweat you can't stand the smell of and someone there who just doesn't do that one thing right and it frustrates you and that one person that's always late, so you've got to start late and then you start to get frustrated with each other and then you have to choose, am I committed enough to this purpose to stick around and endure and embrace. Now, I have been looking back at the last 10 years to reveal like what it is that I believe. What do I bring to the table? What belief do I have? And many of you have been with us for 10 years or more, and you have stuck with us through thick and thin, and you may know the answer to this question better than I do, right? But I have looked inside myself for the last 10 years and said, what do I believe? What is it that I bring to the table? And even as I asked that question, I had to think back and say, okay, what do I mean by believe? And the moment I did that, I went, aha, that's my thing. And uh, I want to share that with you right now. I'm going to do it now. Here it is. And if you have been around, you know what I'm going to do. So this is a chair. Who wants me to say this is a chair on drugs? Anyone? Thank you, Gen X and older. I appreciate you. Uh, any questions? All right. This is a chair. Gary, can you get that chair? You got it? No, no. On the camera. Like, don't come get it. Like, zoom. Yeah. Well, our online chairs to see it. Uh, so this is a chair. This chair has a certain structure to it, and I believe in it. And what I learned in first service is this chair is designed for churches. So much so on the underside. You can learn more at www.churchchair.com. <laughs> Legit. So, I also noticed that these are 30% wider than they were 40 years ago. Just saying. Church chairs. So, I understand the structure of that chair. I understand the physics behind it. I understand that four legs make it strong. I understand the support frame. Uh, I understand that this crossbar that's actually a rack for... There used to be these things called hymnals. Uh, 
and stuff, but it's also acting as an additional support, a cross-member support, right? And I believe that this chair is rated for like 400 and some pounds. And I believe that I am not yet 400 and some pounds. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I could tell you that I believe that this chair will hold my weight. I could tell you that I believe this chair will hold my weight if I sit on it. And I'll tell you, I believe that this chair will hold my weight if I stand on it. But if I just sit here and tell you that I believe that this chair will hold me, do you think I believe it? What's going to make you know that I believe this chair will hold me if I stand on it? If I stand on it, right? Otherwise, it's, and my point is, otherwise it's not belief. It's not belief until I put my weight on it. Now, the Greek word for belief in the New Testament is pistueo or pistis. And, and that actually means to entrust yourself to something. And, and this has been my thing over the last 10 years. This is one of those things that has been just so foundational to my convictions as to uh, where we need to grow as God's people. We need to grow in understanding what it means to believe. Believe doesn't just mean to mentally ascend and mentally agree that of all things that are possible, uh, this one is the most likely. This idea that uh, uh, this belief system is the one that I think works. That is, not, that is completely foreign to Hebrew thought, to all philosophical thought, and to all Christian thought. The idea of just believing but not trusting yourself to it. You cannot, there is no separating, separating, believing, and doing. So in this process of looking back at the last 10 years, I was able to look back at photos and watch videos and, and go back and, uh, and look at messages and emails that I received and, and lots and lots of stuff, lots of lessons learned, lots of wisdom gained, lots of, of brokenness revealed and healed and lots of joy and purpose and community and, and, and all the beauty that comes with 10 years of people coming together for a purpose. But when we come together and we bring our beliefs and those beliefs are common, those beliefs, those things that we put our weight in, not those theological understandings that we uh, ascribe to or think are better than others, but those things we put our way in, when those come together, you have a group of people that are committed to each other to endure the things that happen when a group of people to get, get together. You endure the frustrations that you have with your neighbor and friend who is not yet grown up in this area, who, who is a little, little rough around the edges and, and still growing in a certain way. You have this commitment and this belief in something greater. And as Christians, our commitment and our belief, the shared commitment and belief that we have in something greater is rooted in what has, been, what has happened to us in our heart, in our soul. I have been transformed by the love of Jesus. I really have. I am being transformed by the love of Jesus. I am not the same person I was 10 years ago. And the last 10 years has revealed all the ways I needed to grow. And some of you witnessed that. And for some of you, it was hard to see. Just like I have seen you grow. And it's been hard. But the faithfulness and the power of the testimony of what Jesus does in our lives as we keep submitting to his love and his ways and faithfulness and courage and boldness is that we are transformed. We're changed. And that mutual commitment we have to this common belief 
is what keeps us together. It's that belief that has us choose commitment and has us choose empathy over condemnation and has us choose to continue to endure with one another because we have a shared belief. Now, looking back at the last 10 years, I've been able to see what we really believe. Some of you were there when I cast the first vision of what was going to be the marching orders of our church. Engage, serve, grow. You guys remember that? We had t-shirts and everything. That made it legit, right? And I still believe in those principles. Engage, serve, grow. And what happens over time is that the group of people that get together have unique gifts and different experiences and bring, bring wisdom to the table. And then as you continue to strive forward, you, you, you have a, a, a realization that the, 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 the call to action, the shared thing has shifted because the people have added to it and brought to it. Because when we first started, it was uh, our, our whole marching orders were rooted in the idealism of, of what the church could be. Because we didn't have a history to say what we, we believed, right? It's almost a misnomer to use the word belief because that was all rooted in what I believed, but there was no we in, in the way we framed that. So now we look back at 10 years and we look at Heather and I and, and a few of the staff and Jeff Silver. We just look back at the, what have we done? What has happened? Because I believe that the only way to see what you believe is to look back on what you've done to show you what you believe. Right? And I'm inspired by what we believe because of what we've done. Otherwise, we're just living in this belief of idealism that is not rooted in anything. And, and this is true in your personal life. If you want to look at what you believe, the best place for you to look is two places. And if you've been around for a while, you know exactly what I'm going to say. Ten years ago, I used to say your calendar and your checkbook. But I would say less and less of you today have a checkbook. Uh, so I would say your bank statement <laughs> and your schedule. Where do you spend your time? Two things that God has given you to steward and take care of in this world. Two things that you have absolute control over what to do with. The resources that flow through your hands are time and money. If you want to see what you actually believe, look at how you direct those resources. That tells you what you believe. That's the best indicator. So when I think about what we believe as a body, I look back at what have we done? And there's been certain things that we believe that we realize, okay, that's, that wasn't right. And there's certain, like, there's certain history that we have that uh, everyone has that uh, has these things that we believed and we redirect because someone else comes into the room and we as a group change a little bit. And so that shifts a little bit. And that's the beauty of a community coming together. But when I look back at what God has done through us in 10 years, I'm just inspired because it, it really affirms that what we believe is exactly what God has called us to do. It reflects what the scripture tells us a church, God's people are about. And I don't have to say that hoping that everyone believes. I look back and say, if you're part of our church, this is what we believe. These are very like rooted in data we believe statements. We're going to go through some of those now. When, when we talk about this, uh, what do we believe and what are our priorities? The Bible talks about this concept as the kingdom of God. Jesus refers to it all the time as the kingdom of God. And that is like anything that is under the dominion of the king, kingdom. So anything that 
is submitted to the priorities of the king. And in our culture today, we would probably not use the word kingdom because we don't live in and we're not familiar with all the nuances of what a monarchy looks like. We would probably say the economy of God. Because the economy is something that determines what has value and what can be, uh, what, what is to be pursued and what is to be uh, held on to and what, do we, what is the priority of, of what value. And, and it not only tells you what the values are, but the priorities of the values. And the world has a very different economy than the economy of God. We're going to keep using the kingdom of God because it fits better. But so the idea of the kingdom of God is when a group of people come together and they have a shared belief that following the kingdom of God is the most important thing. And remember when I said shared belief, I'm talking about a shared conviction that not only is this framework of this chair believable and stable to hold our weight, that word pistis means to put your weight on, to put your trust in something, so when I look back at what do I believe, I have to go, okay, well, what do I mean believe? And then I know what I believe. You believe me? I believe it. So when I put my weight on this chair, I'm telling you what I believe. If I just tell you that I believe I could put my weight on that chair, you don't, it doesn't prove that I be, I would say in, in Greek thought and Hebrew thought, philosophical thought, belief isn't made complete until I step on it. Now I believe. I didn't believe before. I told you I believed. I explained the framework of why I believe. But I don't believe until I put my weight on it. And that is a theme that has permeated through. I looked at a lot of my sermons and, and the way we started the church. That is a conviction that has stuck with me for 10 years. That's something I bring. There's something in me that just comes out. And if you've been around our church a long time, you've, you've heard this in many different ways, I'm sure is that we, when we say we believe, this is what I'm saying. Right? I'm saying that I am putting my entire life in the hands of Jesus. Every second, every relationship, every resource, every penny, I'm putting it all in. I'm trusting in Jesus. And so when someone else says they believe, my inclination is to think, oh, you, do, you believe what I believe. But then when the pressure comes, we start to see, well, our, our beliefs are a little different. We're not understanding what the word believe is. We may be able to say the same theology, but it's a step behind that at the belief. And what does it mean to believe? And that is inescapably true that what you believe is revealed in what you do. Now, sometimes we betray our beliefs. And we're worthy of forgiveness and restoration and hope. Sometimes we make mistakes. That's called sin. When we betray our beliefs. Every human does it. Christians aren't the only ones who, who do that. Anyone who holds an ideal of a virtue of things, how things should be, and they betray that, uh, they sin. Because they're betraying their own virtues and values. And they're, they're uh, contradicting their own beliefs. I want to look back at what we really believe because I hope you're as inspired as, as I am. I put together a whole bunch of belief statements just based on the numbers of the last 10 years. And I don't do this often enough. I don't look back and say, what have we done? And, uh, because it's so encouraging. Um, 
let's just jump into some of these beliefs. One of the things when I look at what we've done over the last 10 years, what do we believe? We believe that everyone is uniquely called to serve in unity. This is a deep conviction that every one of us, Ephesians chapter 4 expands on this, but Romans 12 expands on this, but it's actually just true if you look around the room. Every person is uniquely created and gifted and called to exercise their belief in God in a unique way. And we as a body of believers and we as spiritual teachers and shepherds and pastors and prophets and evangelists, and this is another in Ephesians 4, uh, we are called to equip people to figure out how to put their faith and trust in God in a practical, tangible, real expression. And there's a whole bunch of things that stop us from stepping on this and putting our weight on this. A whole bunch of things stop us. One, self-doubt. Another is past trauma. Three is, 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 is emotional brokenness. There might be a, a mental disorder that, we, that you can overcome, a spiritual uh, misunderstanding, abuse, pain, fear, physical limitations. Who knows? There's a lot of things that the world of brokenness and sin and the enemy and just being human stop us from actually putting our weight on what we believe. And I believe that we as a church exist to help people grow through all of that. We exist to go deep with people in their hurt. We exist to equip people and train people in what it means to, to live out your faith and to love others the way we've been loved by Jesus. That is that gap is the purpose of our church. And then when people start to live out and they're actually believing, we do it in unity, in a spirit that makes room for one another and, and gives each other space and steps back so the other can shine. And, and that is the culture that we have. That's the culture we're striving for. But for some of us, and we go through seasons like this in life, where we just need the church to minister to us and help us grow and help us heal. Each one of us is uniquely gifted and called to contribute to the movement of a group of people committed to one another for a purpose that is Jesus and sharing the love of Jesus. And we have equipped and empowered and helped people grow and heal through a lot of this. So the unique distinction of that. That was a long intro because that's going to set up a few of these we believe statements. So we believe that everyone is uniquely called to serve in unity. We have three missionaries equipped and deployed to three continents. 79 people have gone through the discovery workshop and found their gifting. And they've been deployed to use their gifts. And we've had five distinct ministries started. We also believe that loving means serving. We believe that. If I look back, this is in the DNA of who we are. When we say we love our neighbors and that we want to share the love of Jesus, that always implies that we do something about it. And boy, we have so many things. We've, we've done tons. I didn't even count, but like we, we do these service days. We love our neighbors. We mow lawns. We bring firewood. We, we just love our community and our neighbors. We help our neighbors love our neighbors. And uh, it's just been beautiful. But one of the metrics that we've been measuring is our food pantry that we started at the beginning of the pandemic. And now we have served 44 families and, and provided them food relief. It's really, really beautiful. We believe all of this. The next thing we believe is that the local church is the hope of the world. 
We believe that. So we invest in the local church. We invest in, uh, we've helped start three new churches, Generations Church in Vancouver, Washington, who they're celebrating their second birthday. And uh, Kyle, I don't know if you're watching this week, but happy birthday to Generations. Mm -hmm. It's our granddaughter church. We're very proud of you and what you're doing up in Vancouver. They are a church plant out of our daughter church, which is the branch. Many of you know Pastor Dave Vigna. He was on my board of our church when we started and he got the bug to plant a church. And so the same group that started us got together and we rallied behind Dave and started uh, the branch in Vancouver, Washington. And they since have started generations. And then we have Pastor Jerry and Kim. They uh, broke off from us uh, about five years ago and started the refuge in Philomath. And they're th you're gonna see a video of them. We're gonna show a video later, but you'll see a video of them too, th uh, congratulating us on 10 years. But uh, it's just beautiful to see. We've coached struggling churches and seen pastors restored to ministry. We became a certified uh, church health coaching church. And uh, we are helping other churches stay strong and stable in this time because we've, we believe in the power of the local church. Mm -hmm. What we have here, and Heather's here to help me. Yeah, I'll explain this a little yeah. bit. This is our prop. It's our prayer wall, basically, or these are our prayer stones. Um, so it's the concept of what was happening in the Old Testament where the Israelites would have an, an amazing event happen. God would miraculously do something just wonderful among his people. And in a few places, he would ask them to set up stones as a remembrance or an altar as a remembrance so they could tell their children what he had done, that they would never forget it. So we started writing down our prayer requests that we would lay before the Lord. And then as those were answered, we would glue them up on this wall. So these are some of our prayers. And then we have other requests that we are currently praying for. And today we're gonna add um, another prayer request to our, our prayer stones. And for that reason, we have um, some river rocks and markers in the back. If you didn't get one when you came in, make sure you, you grab one um, at some point during our discussion. Mm -hmm. And for our, our, our church at home, Go find a rock and a marker. Did we send these out? We were thinking a about couple it. families did receive them, um, but if you don't have a stone already, um, find one out in your yard or outdoors um, sometime this week. Toby and I thought of a great way we could serve you at home: is that we will drive by your house and throw a rock at your house, um, and you guys can go ahead and take Hope it from you catch there. Catch it. Yeah. Yeah, just an act of love and service to you. The sacrifice we make. One of Let, our most yeah. recent prayers is um, this prayer stone that the changes we make during COVID would bring glory to God. And so we put this, we laid this prayer before the Lord at the start of the pandemic and have been praying it. And I believe that that has happened. Amen. Um, we have listened to the Lord and, and made changes that have brought him glory. So we're going we're gonna to glue that up on our wall. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the things that we believe we've, and, and we've prayed for. So we believe them, we pray for them, then we do them. That's a, mm -hmm. you, you may have heard that before. Like you, mm -hmm. you pray for the hungry, then you feed the hungry. That's how prayer works. Mm -hmm. That's what we do is we pray for these things and then we do it. Mm -hmm. um, 
So we've got a lot of things here. We prayed for an associate pastor, uh, partner pastor. We have three now, partner Kent, uh, Pastor Kent, Pastor Chuck, Toby, and mm-hmm. Heather has joined the staff too. So God has abundantly blessed us here. We pray, prayed for the refuge, that church plant that w- took off. They're doing really well right now in Philoma. We prayed for uh, live streaming our services back yeah, before years COVID. ago. Yeah, we were just starting to record them. And um, so that happened. And that's now live streaming. And then we prayed for a home for good, our prison ministry. So we'll get to that in a second. But so these are some, so the the last one we talked about is we believe in the local church is the hope of the world. The other thing is we believe in young people. We have always invested in young people. We have taken we have had nineteen interns with us over the years. Nineteen, like and that is everything from a summer internship to a, a year long internship. We've had uh, some of our interns have been interns and they stuck with us. Some of them have been interns and now they're serving in other churches and other ministries. Uh, some of them became interns. They came back and did another internship and then we hired him to be a youth uh, and worship leader and that's Toby. So we, yeah. Yeah, so we believe in young people and that means that we empower them and equip them and we give them opportunity to serve. We do. That's, a, that's something that we believe and it's reflected in what we do. And then of those young people, we have seen 17 students go on to attend Bible college. That, is am- that blew my mind. I was, yeah. I was asking Heather, are you sure? Yeah, out of discipling people of all ages, really, but mainly young people, some older people. Uh, but uh, we have seen people lean into uh, equipping themselves to do ministry. People who've been raised up in our church who have attended Um, our church for years. One of those is um, my daughter, Grace. She went to Bushnell for two years, studied biblical ministries and music ministry. Um, And and then in answer to this prayer stone of praying for a children's minister, we recently hired her um, on as our children's ministry coordinator. So God has been so good to us. Yeah. So good. And as a, it's kind of a side us. direct answer, continued answer to this prayer. We would oh, believe yes. that the key to equipping our children and next generation is have them memorize scripture. We want to teach them to memorize scripture. And so one of great, we, I didn't even think of this when we put this together, but uh, we have limited kids, limited resources, and Grace has limited time as a new mom. Um, and so we're directing her efforts is to help kids memorize scripture through song. She's a brilliant musician. She's going to be uh, teaching these scripture memory songs to kids as the foundation of our children's ministry. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really beautiful to see God sewing this whole thing together. Um, another thing that we believe is that we believe life is hard mm-hmm. and that second chances matter. Mm-hmm. I think all of us have had those moments of regret where we've made mistakes or... Uh, acts of defiance or anger or frustration or fear or selfishness or pride. We've all had them. And sometimes when people do that, the consequence is addiction or incarceration. But we believe in not giving up on people because they make mistakes. And so our uh, two things have contributed to a huge impact we've had and because of what we believe. And one is our partnership with Teen Challenge. Many of you have sponsored Teen Challenge graduates. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we have counseled them. We, have, we taught their chapel for a season. Uh, we had them in our church regularly as members of our church. Uh, we had some of them speak, and we equipped some of them to ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is our, our used to be called Home for Good. It's now called Village Resources. 
And it is our prisoner transition ministry where we're helping people transition from incarceration to community because the number one indicator of a lower recidivism rate is people that are connected to community when they get out of prison. So we connect people with the local church in the county and city that they are released to all over the state. And if you combine all those people that we have directly impacted and helped, 656 people, that is amazing. I've been counseled or mentored to health and reintegration in the community. Yeah. yeah. You combine the... Yeah. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Really amazing. Yeah. And that was a prayer stone mm-hmm. where Chuck was considering doing the okay. ministry, and so we prayed for it, and it happened. Then we were praying for mentors because it was only Chuck for a long time, and we had just Chuck. And then, strangely, I got certified as a mentor just to... I didn't have time, but <laughs> I did it. And uh, I helped one guy, uh, but then I just... I, it's not my ministry, and, yeah. but uh, so anyway, we prayed for more. Today we have 20, mm-hmm. 20 mentors. Yeah, God answering prayers. Yeah. This next one I love is that we believe that Christian caregiving is a way of life. We believe that us as a community is, uh, as we bear one another's burdens, as we're committed to each other, as we're bringing our beliefs and convictions and ideas to the table, we are going to uh, experience crisis in life. And we're going to need each other. And uh, we wanted to do that in a way that was excellent. And so early on, we prayed. We found this program called Stephen Ministry. And we prayed that God would provide a way for me to go get certified to bring Stephen Ministry to our church. And uh, we had a lot of generosity. We had a family donate miles to fly me there. And someone else donated some money to pay for my food. And uh, this was at a time where, yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, it still is a big deal. But it was a miracle from God that allowed me to go and get equipped to do this. And what we did is we brought back Stephen Ministry to our church, and we started to teach it and live it. Mm-hmm. And here we are where we have uh, seven Stephen ministers trained and equipped. And out of, this, out of that ministry, we have provided care to how many? Um, I don't eleven. Remember the number about eleven. About eleven yeah. people. Both inside Village Church and in the greater community. Yeah. We had a woman um, contact us through our website asking for some crisis care, and we were able to pair her up with one of our trained Stephen ministers, who now meets with her weekly and is helping her through a difficult time. So Stephen ministry, you won't hear a lot about it because the nature of it is confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't know who's being care given and care received. But yeah. uh, ever since we got back, we have always had somebody receiving care and giving care. And now it's multiple people. We have a few active people right now mm-hmm. that are trained and equipped to give care. And some are receiving care. <laughs> so we have someone who received care for a year and now they want to be trained to give care, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And it's, it's this intense training. It's 52 hours of intense training that it actually qualifies for chaplain training in some... Uh, a portion of the required yeah. chaplain training at Samaritan. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. And we're, we're a certified training center for that now, and it's been such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we believe in that. Mm-hmm. The other thing we believe in is partnerships. And I don't know if I put that one up there. But... Uh, We believe in partnering with people to go further faster. If you look back at our 10 years, we have partnered with a lot of organizations because we don't pretend to be the experts and we don't want to build anything from the ground up. 
So we are going to someone and, and doing things together, church planting with church planting groups and the uh, helping with the addiction through Teen Challenge and partnering with Options and Love, Inc. and Friends of the Family, local ministries, other churches, Dallas Church, Capilla de Valle. We are, we are partnering to serve communities here. I love it. The other thing we believe in, something we've been praying for, it's an ongoing prayer, is new life. Mm -hmm. We have seen 193 people baptized into Christ in 10 years. Now, 30 of these are through the uh, Chuck's transition ministry in prison. Mm -hmm. He baptized baptizes people in, in prison. Isn't that beautiful? They were turning their lives over. Yeah. But to see that uh, people have come to a decision in Christ. But what we measure as success as a church, and I use that word loosely, success. I believe that success. Someone asked me that. I was on a panel with Roy Lawson, once, a, a preacher mm -hmm. up in Portland, and, and someone from the audience asked, okay, what do you consider ministry success? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds weird. Mm -hmm. And the thing that, we both landed on was faithfulness because the fruit belongs to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The faithfulness is us. And the thing we're going to measure to see our faithfulness isn't necessarily baptisms, but it's discipleship. How many people are growing in their faith? Because a lot of people are baptized and they don't grow. Well, that's on us. We are called to equip and empower people. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to respond or come when we invite, but our job is to, to do everything we can to disciple and mm -hmm. equip and empower people. That's what Jesus left the disciples with. Yeah. Now go. And, and that's just rooted in kind of understanding what we believe and what it means we do. Like, we don't believe that a good show on a Sunday is what a church is supposed to focus on. We don't believe getting people to come to church is what a church is supposed to do. Uh, there's a quote by Eugene Peterson who wrote the message version of the Bible. He also wrote a book that's has this phrase in the title called a long obedience in the same direction. I love that title because that's like the definition of faithfulness. One of my, mm -hmm. one of my friends and mentors is Pastor Steve Lee. And uh, my first year of pastoring, he, he mentioned this to me, this quote to me as the key to longevity in ministry is a long obedience in the same direction. And he modeled that. But he's got a quote from that book that says, there is a great mar market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. And so in a lot of ways, we're going countercultural, even in the Christian community in the world. We're not trying to attract people and entertain people. We're trying to make disciples. And I want to stay faithful to that. We're trying to equip people to overcome all those things that life throws in our way so we can be more courageous and bold to share the love of Jesus. That's the fruit of discipleship. And that's what we're inviting you to, to participate in that. Um, I think now is a good time just to say, if you're here in person and you don't yet have your, your stone and a marker, you can sneak out quietly to the basket and get one, one per person, because we're all going to participate in writing down the next prayer request that we're going to put before the Lord. Um, and then someday we'll glue it up on our prayer wall as our remembrance. So 
So we, we invite you all to participate. And if you're at home, we invite you to find a stone or a rock and write on it so that you can be reminded by that to pray because we're moving in the same direction as a church. And I want to wrap up with this. The text I want to kind of bring us down to is, is, was read before, and it's Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated in oneness. But that doesn't mean that you should look and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each one of us has given his own gift. That calls out of us a, a commitment to one another and our differences and distinctives. A commitment to come and gather and contribute and to carry the load and to bear each other's burdens. Because we have a mission that's greater than ourselves. This is what we believe. And here's what I want to invite you to. Building on this foundation of 10 years, as we gathered input from our staff and leaders and, and just other people that have grown with us, overall, the overall theme is uh, what about when I talk about what about the next phase of our church and its continue in faithfulness. We have a good foundation, we have a good history to build on. We have learned from mistakes. We have put guardrails in place to protect from our errors, but we have a spirit where more mistakes are going to happen and we're going to grow through them and forgive each other and serve. And here's one of the coolest things. The overwhelming, resounding message from our young people is we want to receive and take this to the next level. This is not the narrative we're hearing that young people are saying about the church. This is unique and this is beautiful. I, I, I looked at Heather and said, are we really hearing this? <laughs> the next generation is say, let's continue in what we're doing and keep going. Like that, we are onto something special here and we're gonna keep going. We're gonna remain faithful and it's gonna be countercultural. It's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be on mission of what we mm -hmm. truly, truly believe. And if we truly believe it, we're gonna have the power to do it. Mm -hmm. God is with us in that. And so, God says he will produce fruit. Yeah. That, that part is up to him. And so our, our part is to be faithful in making disciples. Yeah. Yeah. So when we started Corvallis Church, we had a tagline. It was engage, serve, grow. Engage in the community. Serve your neighbors and grow in faith and friendship. And I believe that. Those are good. Right? And then as we grew up and kind of things changed, more people came, changed a little bit of a nuance of how we communicated. And then we talked about sharing the love of Jesus with the loved of Jesus. And, and that was the idea that we have to get to know Jesus and we have to get to know the people Jesus loves. And we get to introduce them and share that love. And that, that required relationship, relational discipleship and, and committing to people. And now as we move forward, we just want to simplify. That was another theme that came from our discussions is, is we want to keep things simple. We do not want gimmicks. We're just going to keep things simple and straightforward. And so moving forward, we're just going to be sharing the love of Jesus. And that is our call. And uh, it's going to be our rally cry, sharing the love of Jesus. Uh, 
So not a huge change, it's just continuing in the same direction. We want to invite you to do that. Now, based on the scripture that we read, us being people that share the love of Jesus. And keep in mind, when I'm thinking sharing the love of Jesus, I'm not thinking about me, church marketing, sermon series, staff tasks. I'm talking about us as a church. We are committed to believing that we share the love of Jesus with people. With tact and wisdom and all that, yes. But what's going to have to happen for us to do that more and more is we're going to have to have courage, boldness, and confidence to be the type of people that actually do what we say we believe. And that's going to take work and patience and faithfulness and commitment. So what, what I'd like to ask, everyone writes on their stones, and we're writing it on a stone here, is this. That we, and then in parentheses put I, would grow in boldness and confidence in sharing the love of Jesus. Now how each one of you shares the love of Jesus is written on your heart in the way that you are equipped and made by God. Ephesians 2 is so beautifully states that God has prepared in advance the, the works that he's equipped you to do. You're not, you're not expected to do things outside of your gifting. Don't grab on to the, I don't know what church you were raised in, or if you have this narrative of what Christians are supposed to do. Ignore that and look inside the way God has gifted and equipped you. And if you're having a hard time or just want help, we'll, we help you do that. That's our ex reason we exist. So we want to help you navigate that. But we all can grow in boldness and confidence in sharing the love of Jesus. And if we continue in that spirit, in that mission, we will see the kingdom of God change the world around us. The world that is so lost, so caught up in the wrong things, things that don't lead to life, things that lead to more division, more separation. And we want the best for the people that we love, so we share the love of Jesus. Will you join us in that?